So I got a little thing I want to say to the young people. I'm going to leave this map for the pastor and we'll leave this map for whoever works for the young people. But young people, I want to tell you that there's a whole world dying and going to hell out there. And uh, I would like to ask you to, all you young people, to consider this. Almost every young person has their default setting on stay. Most of us say to God, I'll be a missionary. Almost everybody in this room has said this. I'd be glad to be a missionary, but you got to really make it clear. What that means is you got to get kicked in the head by a mule. And you don't even have a mule. You need an anvil to fall out of heaven and hit you in the head. You've got your basic uh, setting on, I'm staying here. And so it's like I, when, I, when, when the Lord dealt with me about being a, uh, a missionary, I told one of my friends, I called one friend, he's a famous evangelist. I called him and I said, uh, I said, boy, the Lord's leading me into full-time mission work. He said, I can help you get another church. <laughs> Don't do nothing drastic. I can help you find a church. And I said, no, the Lord's really calling me. He said, no, I can help you get a church. I called another friend. He said, what are you talking about? He said, if an angel knocked on my door, I'd say, you got the wrong door, buddy. And they were maybe joking a little bit. It's kind of like how most of us feel. There's a world, you know, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he said, I have all power, all authority. I can say anything I want to say. I mean, I am the one who died and I'm the one that was buried and I'm the one that rose again. That's what Jesus says. And then he says, and in the very next verse, he says, go and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And he has the right to command us, amen? And so the bad thing is, we're like, I will go, God, but I need a draft. Let's have a lottery and draw the balls out and see which ones that get called, and if you're born on the wrong day, you get stuck and you gotta go be a missionary. But Isaiah didn't have that attitude. Isaiah's attitude was, I'll go. And it ought to be that we would say, God, you show me what to do. I'm alive for a purpose. I want to do what you have for me to do with my life. And so I would challenge you young people, you adults. You adults ought to be praying, God, take my kids. God, take my kids. It's hard. It's hard. You know, my wife, she wanted all of our family together. My daughter got married, came back. She married this pastor guy, you know, and so he's staying in America and we pull up when our first grandbaby is going to be born and we're pulling up outside. We've come home to be there with the baby. I mean, I'm feeling like a pretty good husband. Bring her home for the birth of the grandbaby. Say amen. <laughs> now I pull up her, she started crying and we hadn't even got in the house yet. And she cries all the time. So you don't really get all excited about when she cries. But I said, what's wrong? She said, we got to leave. I said, we just got here. She said, but I'm going to go in there and meet the grandbaby. And then we're going back to Peru. I said, that's right, we're doing that. But you know, it's worth it. Send your family around the world. Arrows in the hands of a mighty man. Psalm 127, God gave you kids to do something with them. I'd like to challenge you with that. I want to show you, I, I'm giving you a whole missions conference. And one day, I, if, I, if you ever ask me back, I've got no messages left because I'm just doing them all at once. I want you to look at Acts 1-8 with me real quickly. And that's not the message. We're just still in the introduction. I'd like to ask you young people, I'd like to ask whoever works with young people, won't you lay this map out on the floor, get the young people around it on their knees and talk to them about all these people going to hell? I know I got the world upside down, but that's where you're supposed to turn it, amen? And ask them to pray and say, God, where do you want me to go? God, I'm ready to go where you want me to go. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I want to show you something in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. 
And I know your church knows this and your church is doing this as much as anybody I know. But I, I would like to give you one word out of Acts 1.8 and then I'm going to go to the real message that I feel like the Lord had me to preach tonight. But in Acts verse one, chapter 1 and verse 8, it says something like this. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Upon You shall be witness unto me both, both, we should circle the word both, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Both. And the word both, write this down somewhere, it means together and at the same time. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. If you believe that, say amen. amen. But which is he? Yes. He's both of them. Yes. Amen. And if they both went down in the water when he baptized the eunuch, how, how many of them went into the water? Both of them did. That's what it says. And when it says both, it kind of like means both. I know you love the Greek here, so let me give you the definition of the word both. Both. It just means both. Amen. It just means, I don't even know what your glory is. I have no idea. But see, it's both. If I said, I want to take y'all out to eat, and I took you out to eat, and I said, now, I'm buying for your wife today. You don't get to eat. I said, I'd take both of you, but both only means one at a time. And sometimes we kind of get like, I'm so focused on Jerusalem, I forget about Judea. Or maybe I'm willing to focus on Jerusalem and Judea, but I'm will, I want to forget about Samaria. Or maybe I want to forget, I want to work so hard on the uttermost, I forget about where I am. But our church, your church, has been called to take the message to both. Together and at the same time. We have no right to think about getting the gospel to Africa if we don't try to get the gospel to Milton. We have no right to get the gospel to Milton if we don't think about China. We have no right, we, have to, we are commanded by our commander-in-chief to take the gospel message to both. I just thought I'd throw that in there with you. I want to ask you to take your Bibles, if you would, and go me to Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. While you're turning, I want to talk to you about how to pray for missionaries. I want to talk to you about how to pray for missionaries. I'm going to give you five things you can write down somewhere about how to pray for missionaries. I'd like to say to you that this also works about how to pray for your pastor. When I was out back in, the, back in my day, when I was on, I don't know if it's deputation or or furlough, or whatever it was, I preached this message. I think I was on deputation when I did this one. And I showed up at a church in Sand Mountain, Georgia. And uh, when I got there, I noticed that um, no one was at church. I got there like 6.30. It's going to start at 7. I'm sitting in the parking lot. Not one car is there. No movement. 6.50, no movement. 6.55, no movement. 6.57, no movement. I'm like, maybe they're not having church. About 6.58, all the cars came in. And the people came in and they filled up their little auditorium. Maybe uh, 50 people were there, 60 people were there. And uh, I was sitting on the front row and I just remember thinking, boy, I had my oldest son with me. And he's uh, 45, 46 years soon. I had him with me. And, and I just said, son, this is like a weird church. I don't know what's going on here, but these people are weird. I mean, it was a cold place. You just walked in. You felt like you could have roller skated or ice skated right down the, the center aisle, you know. And I sat down in the front and hardly anyone spoke to me. And I was sitting on the front row. I was praying. I had all my outlines. I had a bunch of them in my Bible cover. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach? I just really felt like he wanted me to preach on how to pray for your pastor and your missionary. So between that seat right there and getting up here, I decided that was the one he really wanted me to preach. I walked in the pulpit and I preached. 
And I just let her rip. I didn't know anything about what was going on. I got through preaching and on the way back to my seat after the no the barely given invitation, I get on the way back. A lady comes to me and says, who told you to preach that? I said, Holy Spirit. And she said, uh, who told you? I said, Holy Spirit. She said, who else? I didn't even talk to anybody. Nobody's spoken to me in this building. I didn't say that. I just said, yeah, I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't know what's going on. About that time, the pastor grabbed my arm and said, come on. He took me back to his office, put me in his office with my son, locked the door and said, do not open this door and do not come out till I come get you. Now, is that a weird thing or not? I mean, I told you it's a weird church. And then my son says, he's about maybe 15 or 16, and he says, uh, Dad, what's going on? I said, I have no idea. He said, I've never seen this happen before, Dad. I said, me neither, buddy. I have no idea what's going on. Later on, the pastor comes back here and he said, now listen, they think I set this up. I said, who? I don't know you. I don't know them. I haven't talked to anybody. I really prayed. I really felt like it's what the Lord wanted me to preach. And he said, one of the deacons pulled a knife on me in the deacons meeting this week. <clears throat> he said, it's bad here. He said, and you got up and preached on how to pray for the pastor. And I even said stuff like, you need to stop arguing with your pastor and start talking to God about it if you got a problem. I didn't know it. I didn't know. It ain't my fault. Don't blame it on me. And, I, and, and he said, so he said, can you go by Shoney's? We'll just get us a strawberry pie. And I said, sure. We got there and he said, all right, you want me to be the first missionary? Because this church just split and you did it. So I got support that night. But I'm the new church. Amen. Do not split tonight. Do not split. But listen to this if you would. In 1 Thessalonians 5.25, the apostle, that's not where you are, just hang on, I'll get you there. 1 Thessalonians 5.25, the apostle Paul said, brethren, pray for us. Paul needed prayer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. He says, you also helping together by prayer for us that the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. But he said, y'all help together by prayer. He said, y'all help together. Do you realize that Brother Shower is down in Paraguay and you can get very much involved in the man's ministry. You can help together. That's what the Holy Spirit said to Paul. Because you and I both know Paul didn't write this. Holy Spirit did. He just used the, the pencil was Paul, but the words came from the Lord. Amen. That's why we call this the Word of God. So he used Paul. Paul wrote it down, but he said, helping together by prayer for us. Years ago, I was like, I don't know, uh, 22 uh, or so, 21 or 22. I was in a church, and it's a larger church, and um, uh, I was sitting on the front row, and I had already been in the ministry, but it was my, I was just becoming an independent Baptist, and so I was still struggling to figure out how to fit in with these independent Baptists. I'd grown up Southern Baptist. I'm sitting on the front row and a lady goes to the altar and the pastor just, he's, so I'd been a youth pastor and assistant pastor. So I went up to pray with this lady. She's a real old woman. She's probably 50, 60. <laughs> I mean, she's really old. Older than my mama, older than my mama, amen. And I went up to pray for her and uh, she just fell in love with me. She bought me uh, everything Oliver B. Green wrote. She, uh, she bought me a red 
leather Schofield Bible. She bought me, I don't know, she did support me till she died, $10 a month, and wrote me a personal handwritten letter all that time, and she always prayed for me. I never thought when I stood behind the pulpit, I thought about her all the time, her name's Jean Smith. I thought about her all the time because Jean Smith was helping me. She's standing right there. She was saying, God, use Austin today. God bless the message he's going to preach. God help people get saved. And God was using that because she was praying for me. When your pastor stands up here to preach, you ought to help him. You ought to help him. You ought to know we're in a spiritual thing. He needs God to come down and work. And Paul said, under his praise the Holy Spirit, you can help together. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. Oh, by the way, there was a missionary director of uh, uh, the mission agency I was with. Uh, a lady came up to him in a conference and she walked up to him and said, is there any way I can get another prayer card? Well, you know how missionaries are. They give you a prayer card in a heartbeat. But she said, can I get another prayer card? He said, yes, ma'am, but that's an unusual way to ask. What is that about? She said, I've used up the other one. He said, ma'am, she said, I used it up. And she, he said, well, can I see what you did? And she handed it to him and it was all inked out except Wade, his name. He said, every time I pray, I just put a little hash mark. And I put another hash mark. And I put another hash mark. And I run out of places without covering your name up. And I pray for you. And I just wonder if I can get another one. He said, the only way you can have one is to give me that one. And he carried that thing for a long time. Do you realize that when you get involved in prayer, you can really be a part of the ministry? I'm going to give you some things to pray about in just a minute. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Get in the fight with me. Get in the fight with me. Now, how in the world can you get in the fight with Brother Shower down there or Brother Fleur as he goes to preach everywhere he preaches and when he stands behind his pulpit, here's how we do it. We do it by praying. Amen. Paul said, get in there. And he said, don't do it because I'm selfish. Look at verse 30. He said, don't do it because I'm selfish. He said, I beg you, brethren, not for my sake, but for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. If you love Jesus, pray for men of God that stand to preach. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you love the Spirit, and you have the love of the Spirit, strive together in prayer. I'll give you five things real quick, and I'm done. Here we go. Number one, protection. Pray for protection. I'm not going to take you a lot of places, but here's one. I want you to look up 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. We'll be right back to Romans 15, so don't lose it. See, Paul, I went through the Bible and I looked at every time Paul asked for prayer requests and I said, what are you asking for? What can I pray about? How do I pray for people? And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, finally, brethren, pray for us. I'm finishing this book. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. We'll be back to that in a minute. Verse 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all have not faith. Look at that. There are unreasonable and wicked men, and they were out to stop the Apostle Paul. They are not saved. They have not the faith, and there's danger. There's danger. Danger on the mission field. Danger in, a, danger in the pulpit. I don't have time to go to it, but you know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6? We're in a war. And there's devils and demons and whatever, all the principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and high places. And, and there's a battle going on. 
And when Pastor Fleur stands to preach here, you have no idea what happened before he walked in the pulpit, what's happening while he's in the pulpit, what happens after he leaves the pulpit, because the demons of hell would stop him in every way they possibly could. We ought to pray for protection. We ought to pray for protection. Satanic attack and satanic oppression are real. Missionaries endure loneliness, isolation, strange customs, language. And then they have the devil himself fighting them. Let me give you two real quick illustrations. We had some Bible college land in Peru. I'd got this land, started building some things, and, and there's wicked and unreasonable men. And so one day the guys told me, the young men I'm training, they told me some people are moving in on our land. And in Peru at that time, it was like squatter's rights. It was like if you just went and took over land, you could fight to keep it. The court might, they never, we've never given them that land. We won all the way to the Supreme Court, but they're still there. 400 families are living on our land. And so we're on the property and I look over there and this guy is standing over there. And I went over to him. I said, look, you can have all the land you've stolen so far. He said, I'd steal this land. I said, okay, you can have all the land that you've got. Whatever you want to call it, you can have it. But I said, I'm going to put a fence up here and I'd ask you to stop right there. You've got about 20 acres. I got about 25 or 30 left. You just take the 20 and, and, and we'll be friends. And every day he would stand up on top of those rocks and he would say, the blood of the fat gringo is going to run on this mountain. But it wasn't but one gringo. And he was fat and it was me. And the guy said, are you scared? I thought, he's just talking. And then one day they cut down the barbed wire fence we'd put up and about 150 people came charging over about against 15 of us. They literally filled the sky with rocks and, and it was a horrible thing. And that day I got 12 stitches on the top of my head. And people had broken arms, broken chest bone, uh, nose and ear about to come off. And, uh, it was, and nobody got hurt at first. And after it all calmed down, I just walked over to where they put rocks in the road and I started to move those rocks. And when I did all these little Inca ladies, they're a little bit short of catch weeks, they're about this tall, and they come all running at me. And they're all sitting around me. I'm the, no, 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 the Peruvians, my fellows are back there. And they started yelling at me. And I said, look, ladies, I'm just going to move the rocks. I'm going to take my people. We're going to leave. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Y'all can have it all. Just keep it. I'm out of here. And one of them swings us a big old eucalyptus about, about yay big around, about uh, 10 feet long. She hits me in the side when she does, I just reached down and grabbed it because I didn't want to get hit again. And she started yelling, he's hitting me. And that's, I started feeling blood run down my face. I didn't know what it was. I just noticed warm stuff was on my face. And, and I had 12 stitches at the top of my head. I'm telling you, there are wicked and unreasonable men. I've got tons of missionary friends held up at gunpoint, had their family tied up, had knives, knives pulled on them, bombs blowing up. We need to pray for protection for missionaries. During the time that was going on, my daughter Joy, who's now a pastor's wife, uh, she's like 15 years old and three men probably involved with that grabbed her and raped her. That was the hardest day of my life. Grabbed her and raped her. You need to know that God has asked you to pray for deliverance from wicked and unreasonable Men. Now, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, so it's not really the men, it's the devil behind the men. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. But I would like you to pray for your pastor. You don't understand this, and he's probably not going to get beaten up and all that kind of stuff, but the devil's out to stop him every way he can. You ought to write down, I'm praying for the pastor's protection. 
I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will give him power over all the attacks. I'm praying that the armor he puts on as he gets up in the morning, he, he suits up in the armor of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm praying God protects our preacher today. Number two, go with me to Romans chapter 15 and verse 31. I want to ask you to pray for an acceptable ministry. Acceptable ministry. In Romans 15, 31, Paul said, That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. He said, I want to pray that the ministry is accepted of the saints. I want them to accept it. And I want you to notice he was wanting the saints to accept it. And we're not talking about lost people now. Did you realize that Paul had taken up a special offer and he'd gone around to all the missionary churches and he was taking it back to Jerusalem and he just wanted to make sure the people back in Jerusalem would accept the offering. That they wouldn't have a bad attitude. That they'd realize Paul wasn't being presumptuous and Paul wasn't being proud. Paul was trying to bless them and help them and he just wanted them to accept it. I'd just like to say to you that uh, your pastor, you need to pray that the ministry is accepted. You don't know this. Unless you do this. But a, a man of God, a pastor, a, a preacher of the word of God stays in his office and asks God and begs God and studies the Bible. He wants to preach the message. It'll change lives. He wants the saints to be accepting the message and be excited about what God's doing. And you, instead of accepting it, you complain about it. We ought to pray about it and say, God bless the preacher. Make his message acceptable. But can I tell you, you need to pray for the missionary. You have any idea what it's like? You get up on Sunday morning, three or four o'clock in the morning, drive hours to the first church you're going to preach in, get out of the car, walk in the church, and act like you just drove in from five minutes away, like the rest of the people. And you got to come in with your wife and your kids going, Good morning. I never seen none of y'all. We so glad to be here, though. Amen. And then you're going to stand up and preach and you're going to teach and you want it to be accepted so you can get. The support you need to get to the field. Pray that their ministry on deputation and furlough will be accepted. I'll just throw this in while we're at it. It's cross-cultural ministry. Pray that the missionary will be able to have an accepted ministry. In other words, sometimes, to be blunt honest, I work with missionaries. That's what I do all the time. It's my life training young missionaries, spending time with them, helping them learn how to learn the language, overcome culture, raise their support, do all the things that's need to do. But you know that most missionaries never connect. They just never connect. They never fit in. They're like a round peg in a square hole, and they just can't make the ministry work. They quit all the time if you haven't figured that out. It's hard. It's kind of like this uh, TV show I watched when I was a kid. You ever heard of Andy Griffith? And then Andy Griffith one day, uh, Opie sees this real poor man. It's got a, his bucket is all worn out and Opie wants to help the man by getting him a new bucket. So he goes to town and he buys a bucket and goes out to the old man and says, I want to give you a bucket. And the old man says, you get off my property. Who are you to come out here thinking you're high and mighty and better than me? I don't need your bucket. I got a good bucket. Opie said, I just want to help you. And the old man says, I don't need your help. Because you see, you got to know how to give a well bucket. So he goes back to Andy and he said, Dad, he said, they won't take the bucket. And Andy said, well, son, you got to learn how to give a bucket. So he said, get in the car and I'll take it out. They drive back out to the place and park the police car and Opie stays in the car and Andy walks over there to him. And Andy says, uh, I was wondering if I could buy your bucket. And the guy said, right, what do you want my bucket for? 
He said, I, I need a bucket like your bucket that's got class. It's a bucket that's been used. It's got character. The guy said, you go down to town and buy a bucket. He said, buckets in town are like every other bucket. I need a bucket with class. And the old guy said, well, I couldn't give you my bucket. I need my bucket. He said, I got a new bucket. I'll give you a bucket. It's just a plain old bucket. I need a bucket with class. The old man said, well, I'll do you a favor and let you have my old bucket. He swapped buckets. He got back in the car and he goes, Dad, what'd you do to get him to take the bucket? He said, son, you got to know how to give a bucket. So many missionaries never learned to have an accepted ministry. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to explain to people. They need you to pray and get the message right. Number three, we need to pray for them to have success. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 32, the Bible says that, and that word that's just another time, another prayer request, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. I want you to line the word with joy. With joy. That's success. That's blessing. When the missionary returns to the field, pray he can come back with joy. Pray that when he leaves. See, Paul is going to go back in Romans, in Romans chapter 14. He's going to return to the place where he was recommended from. And he's going to share with them all the things that God has done. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how God had opened the door of faith. He came back and he was like, you're not going to believe it. Boy, God worked. They're all excited about that. There's so many missionaries that go to the mission field and they come back. There's no stories of success, no stories of blessing. They barely learned the language. And we condemn them, but we never pray for them. We haven't stepped out by faith and lived in a foreign place, tried to learn another language, live in another place. Won't you pray that God will bless them and they can come back with success? Let me tell you, <laughs> there's a lot of junk goes on. One fellow called me up in the Kipa and he said, uh, I'm going home on furlough and I was wondering if I could take over, come over and take pictures of your work. I said, well, sure. He said, well, you know, uh, you got lots of people and it's really good stuff and I, I, I'd like to show that. So he came over and he asked if he could get in the pulpit and they took pictures of him in the pulpit and they took pictures of him. And I knew he was building a slideshow. Boy, that slideshow was going to be not his work. Because he wanted to come back with joy. He didn't want to come back and say, look, guys, I didn't get her done. I didn't get it done. But I think a lot of times that they don't get to come back with having gotten it done because we don't pray that God will give them success and then come back with joy. Your pastor goes alone in the office. He spends time in prayer and he agonizes. He says, God, this is a passage of Scripture. I need to know how to apply it to our people. I know how to preach it in a way that will bless our people and build our people. Souls will get saved and lives will get changed. God, I need you to work. And he prays and he studies and he prays and he studies and he works and gets it together and he prays. And, and it gets to this point when you're the pastor of the church and you're like, man, I just can't wait to preach it. And then you preach it and you think, oh, brother, just go ahead and shoot me today. It did not fly. It did not go. I don't know what happened. I don't know why it didn't work like I thought it was going to. But I think I got an idea. Paul said, pray for me that I can come back with joy. How many of y'all pray that when Brother Fleur walks out of this pulpit, he walks out and say, Glory to God, God used me today. I'm listening to Charles Spurgeon as I ride. I'm listening to Charles Spurgeon. And he sits down with his quote unquote, he calls her his wifey. 
And he sits down with his wife and tells her all about God's working in his life and his ministry. You know what? The key to that is prayer. We can pray for our pastor. We can pray for our missionary. We can pray that God would do something with them. Number four. Number four. I want to ask you to pray that they'll have open doors. Look at verse Colossians 4, 3. Sorry, I told you two places. It's three. Colossians 4, 3. And with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. I believe with all my heart God wants every man everywhere to be saved. But I also know that God has to open every door that gives me a chance to preach. God has to change the heart. God has to prepare the soil. God has to prepare the people. I just walk in there and harvest what he's done. All I can do is plant or water. He's the one that gives the increase, and it's all on him. And we need God to give us open doors. The pastor goes out and goes soul winning. You know, sometimes it's like a pastor winning to Christ if anybody can, but he can't do it either. God needs to open some doors. We need God to open doors so they'll listen. We need God to open hearts so they hear. I tell every young missionary, before you ever go to the field, pray now that God will open doors because it's all going to be a work of God. Amen? It's all going to be a work of God. Let's pray that God will open doors. But I also want you to know it says that I will speak as I ought to speak. Would you underline that in verse 4? Speak as I ought to speak. There's a right way and a wrong way to say the right thing. There's a right way and a wrong way to say the right thing. And Paul said, I need to say it the right way. I want y'all to pray for me and I'll say it the right way. So I'm over in a place called Ayacucho. Another city is called the Corner of Death. It's where all the, and today the whole country of Peru is in pretty bad problems. I'm not heard yet. Elections are going on and, and there's a, it's a massive fight between a real conservative and a real uh, Marxist and, and, and they're boarding up the windows. And back when I lived there, it was there were bombs going off. I preached regularly hearing bombs blow up out there, watching all kinds of carnage and all kinds of junk going on. But I was in Ayacucho preaching. A young missionary that I'd helped train, American missionary, was over there, and he had a couple of the young Peruvians that I'd trained, and he's in this new city. And he had asked me to come over and preach a revival meeting, an evangelistic campaign, something to try to get people saved, draw them in, get them to church, and preached to him and so I was preaching and man I got through the end of the message and a bunch of people wanted to get saved probably 25 people wanted to get saved and they all stepped out into different rooms with different people and and, and people were coming in and saying these people just prayed the prayer these people just got saved these people said they'll be here these people won't be signed up for discipleship God is moving and my buddy didn't come back to missionary he didn't come in the room and finally somebody came in and said he needs help he's in real trouble how you get in trouble witnessing the people and I go in there, and this lady is looking at him, and she said, now you listen to me, buddy. I am not a prostitute. And uh, I said to him, I said, what would what, you say? And he said, I said to her that she couldn't get saved until she admitted she was lost. And I said, okay. See, when you say the word lost like that, a lost woman, does that mean she's a lost woman? She's going out into a very wicked sin. And I looked at her and I said, he didn't mean lost woman. He meant somebody who didn't know how to go to heaven when they died. And she said, oh, oh, I'll admit I'm a sinner, but I'm not a prostitute and I will not admit that. <laughs> 
And I said, nobody wants you to. She said, well, I'd like to get saved. Now, what's really funny is the word was right, but the word was wrong. See? Now, the pastor stands to preach, and I can tell you he loves you. What a man of God. I love him. He's, he's at the heart. It's a, wonderful. But a pastor needs God to give him the right way to speak. He needs God to open doors. A missionary needs God to open doors. He needs to, how to say it. But we're in a spiritual war, guys. This isn't really about intellect. It's not about ability to speak. It's not about that. We need God. He has to come down and do stuff that I can't even understand or explain. But the Apostle Paul knew enough to say, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I need God to open doors and I need God to help me say what I ought to say, the right way to say it, as I ought to speak. Would you pray for your pastor that way? Would you pray for your missionaries that way? Would you pray for the guys who are out representing the printing ministry? Would you pray for them that way that God would do that? Last one. Go with me, if you would, back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. Would you underline free course? and be glorified. <laughs> Satan will do all in his power to stop the spread of the word of God. He wants missionaries to live in fear. He wants to cause believers to fear. He multiplies the needs that missionaries have so that they're so busy they can't do the work of God. He does everything he can to hinder the spread of the word of God. Paul said, please pray for me that the word of God will have free course. That means let it loose and let it run. You see, what changes lives isn't the missionary, it isn't the pastor, it isn't the preaching, it isn't the prayer. It's the Word of God that changes lives. I believe this is the Word of God. I believe that God takes the Bible and changes lives. But I need God to do something. I was in Mexico and I was getting through a language school and I told the man that was helping me, he's a Mexican, I told him, I said, I don't know if I want to go to Peru. Mexicans seem to like me. I seem to fit in here, and I've, I've done a little bit of work here. And, and he said, well, did God tell you to go to Peru? I said, yeah, he did, but I said, maybe I was wrong, and maybe he wants me to stay here. And he said, well, won't you just go to Peru? I said, well, what if they don't like me? He said, well, one won't, and one will, and one won't, and one will. You just go do your job. I walked down there, and there, were, there weren't 40 independent Baptists in Arequipa when I got there, 50 independent Baptists. And I had no language ability. And I'm a Tennessee redneck from the middle of Tennessee, a little town. I, grew, I graduated from McEwen High School. If you go down Interstate 40, you go by the Bucks Nord exit. That's, I worked at that exit. I'm a, I'm a bumpkin. How am I going to go in there? So all I knew I'd do was read the book and explain the book. You know what happened? It went crazy. The Bible started, it had free course and it got glorified. And it started running through people and they were getting saved and they were bringing their people to Christ. And we'd have Thanksgiving. Uh, the first year I did Thanksgiving with the American missionaries and uh, the Peruvians I was training. They said, where are you going? Why can't we go? And I said, it's an American thing and we wouldn't want you to be, a, I don't want to Americanize you. And they said, what are you going to do? I said, well, we're going to have a big fancy meal. We'll eat some turkey, eat some food. They said, we like that. And I said, then we were supposed to say thank you to God, but we're probably going to watch football. They're Americans. And we were watching VHS tapes of the year before. That's the game you watched because you couldn't get any other games. And 
And I don't watch sports, so I didn't really care about it at all. And they said, well, we'd like to do Thanksgiving with you. I said, well, next year we will, but it'll be real Thanksgiving. That year we gathered together. There were probably 30 people at my house, and Betty fixed a, a really big bird or two. And, and then we fixed all the food and had the Peruvians bring food. And, boy, we had a Thanksgiving. They started crying, I mean. I mean, squalling, saying, thank God for sending a missionary here. Thank God for telling us about Jesus. Thank God. The next year, there's about 50 or 60 people. And then the next year, there's about 70 or 80 people. Only workers. I would only let pastors and their wives and students come. And then uh, about the last year, I did it with all of them. There's about 150, 200 people there. We had to do it at the Bible college. We had to cook like 11 turkeys. And it got where it's kind of out of hand. And some of them, they'd stand up and they'd say, I don't know you, missionary. I'm the big missionary here. You're supposed to know who I am. Say amen. They said, I don't know you, but my pastor loves you. He said you led him to Christ, but he led me to Christ, and I just want to thank you for leading my pastor to Christ. I said, Boy, the word ran and was glorified. See, that's what you want. Paul said you need to pray about that. Pastor here wants the word to be glorified. He's not trying to glorify Tim Fleur. He's not trying to glorify Victor Baptist Church. Not trying to glorify Victor Baptist Printing. You're not trying to glorify that. He wants the Word of God to be glorified, to run and have free course and do the job God called it to do. Hey Amen. That's what we're doing. Well, we need to pray that that'll happen. <clears throat> this man gave us a whole bunch of hardback Bibles, and he sent them down by the container load just about to me, and I spread them all over. He came down to visit and there was 2,000 people in the auditorium because I brought them in from all the churches that we had. These Bibles are spread literally all over that auditorium, all over that auditorium. And I called him up, and I, we gave him a big old plaque, and it was a leather thing, and it was in a glass thing. And he had the leather, and it said, thank you for giving us all these Bibles. And, and I told him, I said, you know, we had prayed when we got here that the Word of God would run and have free course. And I said, so if he gave a Bible to you, stand up and hold that Bible in the air. And when they did, he about killed that old preacher. He was running around there going, because oh, 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 oh. there's like 1,500 of his Bibles in that one room. You know what happened? It ran and had free course. Well, Paul said, now if you read it, we're just reading Scripture. If you read the Scripture, he said, pray that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. Man, I want this book to have free course. I know I can't change lives. I know I can't make a difference. And let me tell you something. Your pastor knows he can't do it. But he knows that book can. And if the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and uses the man of God to get the Word of God out, and all of a sudden the Word of God starts spreading, God will do a work amongst us like he has been doing here for all these years. So I'd like to ask you to pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray that when he preaches that the Word of God will be loosed and let go. Pray that the Word of God will have free course and be glorified. Pray that God will do something big. When your missionaries that you support step out, they're nobodies, they're nothing, but they hold the Word of God, and we want to pray that it can run unhindered through the people and through the culture. So I gave you five things. One, I want you to pray that they'll be protected. Protected against evil sources. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. I ask you to pray that their ministry would be acceptable, 
that saints would accept what they're doing, that you would be with your pastor and behind him, that you'd be with the missionaries. I ask you to pray that God would give them success in their ministry, that, that they would return with joy. I ask you to pray that God would give them open doors. And then I ask you to pray that the word of God could have free course and be glorified. Somehow, somewhere along the way, Americans turned world evangelism into giving money. And that is not what it is. Not one, now we got to give money. Our church will give three to $400,000 a year to missions. We're over $3 million now. We're 15 years old. I do preach missions, probably more than most preachers. But the Bible never says send ye money. It says go ye. So we ought to say to God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll change my default setting from, from stay to go. We ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to give. We ought to pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest will send forth labors. I don't know how to say this to you, and I know I'm very unworthy to even be in this pulpit. I really feel that. But I'll tell you this, no preacher's that much. We're not much. Preachers aren't much. It's God who's doing the work. I mean, sometimes I just, I go, wow. Well, I was wanting big stuff. I didn't expect all that. Well, you really did it. It's God that does it. That's why we pray. And then we go and give and pray. And this is what world evangelism is about. It's about Jesus and his church and his word. So I hope you'll go home with a heart to pray for your pastor, a heart to pray for missionaries, and a heart to see the gospel go around the world.